Thank you, Julia. Good morning. Grace and peace to you, and welcome to worship this morning. Um, this is um, Christ the King Sunday, one of those Sundays in which we feel like this should be special because it has a special name, but we're not quite sure what to do with it. Um, there aren't any palms or any wreaths or anything, um, so it, it, it's sort of... A, a bit of a mystery, and so hopefully we're going to unpack that um, today. Um, our scripture is from the letter to the Colossians, which is um, kind of like uh, reading somebody else's mail. Um, this was written to a church, a group of Christians at um, Colossae, and so it's sort of like if someone would have written um, a, a letter to us, and then that would be like the first rights villains or something. Um, so we are reading somebody else's mail, but it's mail that is uh, worth thinking about. So hear the word of the Lord. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are the image of God. You are the one that holds all of this together. You are the one who reminds us that um, this is not about us, it's about you. Speak to us now, strengthen us with the strength that comes from your glorious power, and may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It's one of those things that um, parents tell you or grown-ups tell you. Uh, one of those old chestnuts, like, don't, um, don't put your hand on the hot burner. You're going to burn your fingerprints off. Or um, don't make that face. It's going to stay that way forever. Or um, don't go to bed with gum in your mouth. Or don't eat a watermelon seed. A whole watermelon will grow in your stomach. Do they say that one in North Carolina or is that just West Virginia? Um, and... And, and this one, don't stare directly at the sun, right? It's good advice. They'll say, you're going to burn your eyes out. You're going to burn your retinas out with the same voice that everybody uses to talk to Ralphie. Um, don't get the Red Rider BB gun because you'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll burn your eye out, kid, if you look directly at the sun. Except when there is an eclipse, and then you can look at the sun, but only with these special glasses and only for approximately 30 minutes. Um, there's some things you just can't look at directly, right? 
Um, it, I, I was um, experiencing this firsthand when driving down Eastwood Road to the church this morning, trying not to look directly into the sun. Um, easier said than done. There's some things that you can only look at indirectly. I um, read a depressing article online this week. My friends would say, what else is new? Um, but in this one, um, this was about Barrow, Alaska. Um, in Barrow, Alaska, on November 18th, the sun went down. It's normal enough, right? Sun goes down every day, comes up every morning, goes down again, right? Um, but the sun in Barrow, Alaska, um, went down at 1.49 p.m. on November 18th. And um, it will remain down until 1.09 p.m. on January 23rd. There will be no sun in Barrow, Alaska. I really don't want to live in Barrow, Alaska. I'm glad that I'm not there. I can only imagine the amount of um, little twinkle lights and hot cocoa and cozy throw blankets you need to get you through a winter in Barrow, Alaska. And like candles. I can only imagine that you would like candles everywhere because candles, after all, are fires that you can keep as a pet. But I hope that they have the moon in Barrow, Alaska. I suppose they do, you know, so at least you can get something shining in the sky to give you a little something to, um, to marvel at. The sun is not something you think about until it's not there, right? Without the warmth of the sun, um, you do not feel that warmth on your face. You don't see the blue of the ocean or the green of the trees or the blonde curls of a baby's head. There's some things you can only understand, you can only look at indirectly, right? Um, Paul uses a thousand different metaphors to tell us about something we can only know indirectly. Um, Paul is um, one of these writers who an English teacher would not give a good grade to constantly. Um, if you read these letters in the original Greek, which is the most obnoxious phrase preachers can say in the original Greek, but if you read them, it, it, they would just be one run-on sentence for lines and lines and lines and lines. This is, you know, like throw me a period here or at least a semicolon. English teachers also say, um, do not mix your metaphors. Stick with one image and then go for that. Um, if you wrote this sort of thing on a college application essay, you would probably get your, your um, application put in the pile that you don't want your application in. But Paul says, I can't really explain to you um, how big Jesus is. I can't really explain to you what it means that Jesus is king and that we are living in his kingdom unless I use all of these metaphors. And so he just piles them on. Did you read them? It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He says, you don't know what God is like? You have trouble figuring that out? You don't know what God cares about or what God wants or what God feels about you? Then look at Jesus. Jesus will show you. Look at how he lived, how he spent his time. Paul says that Jesus is the creator. Everything was created by him and through him and for him. He says Jesus is the holderer, togetherer. You know, the Gorilla Glue, the duct tape, the strong thread that keeps this complicated, messy, sometimes dark world going. He is the head of the body, the church, the one who makes the decisions, um, provides the cognition that we give action to through being his hands and feet. 
He's the reconciler. He's the one that makes peace. He's the firstborn from the dead. Um, in other words, he is the first one to die and come back to life, which doesn't happen very often. He is the conqueror. But not um, in the conqueror in that Darth Vader or Caesar Augustus sort of way. Not in a make everyone live my way, but in a way that sets us free. William Barclay, the commentator, says that when Paul says he's transferred us into the kingdom of light, um, that Jesus has done that, that um, it, it's referring to the way an empire would win a victory over another. I think of transferring money from one account to another so that I can pay for Christmas, but this is a little bit different. Transferring the land and the people along with it. Christ is the conqueror of darkness and sin and death, and we are taken to dwell as a whole people in the kingdom of God. To say Christ is king means saying Jesus is in charge, even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it seems dark. To say Christ is king is to live in a way that wouldn't make any sense if Jesus wasn't king. I, um, this Sunday, as uh, Pastor Doug said, and I said earlier, in the Christian year is called Christ the King Sunday. Um, sometimes we call it the reign of Christ Sunday. The Sunday that says um, Jesus is in charge. Um, it's the Sunday um, that's the last one of the, Chris, uh, of the Christian year, so this is sort of um, New Year's Eve. Um, and next Sunday, um, you can wish everyone Happy New Year, and they will look at you like you are crazy. Um, it's the Sunday that is the last one before the whole thing starts over again. And next Sunday, we're going to be back, and we're going to be trying to get Jesus born. Um, but this Sunday, we remember that even when things might feel dark or overwhelming or scary, that Jesus wins. That's the end of the whole thing, right? Um, I don't understand a lot of things about the book of Revelation, um, but one thing I do understand is this, that Jesus wins in the end, that God wins in the end, that love is the last word, and that Christ's way is the way that we might as well start in living now because we're going to be living that way forever. But I also um, think sometimes we, in trying to, we, we try to, to make that happen in a kind of strivey, try-hard sort of way. It's a time of year in which you make a lot of lists, lists and lists and lists and lists, things to buy, things to cook, things to do, charity projects to do, all good things, nothing bad, right? Um, and sometimes the temptation is to say, get closer to God, you know, be a better Christian, and it just, you add it somewhere in between, buy the marshmallows for the sweet potatoes, and don't forget to throw all of the junk in the spare room. But sometimes we feel like this little light of mine, we've got to let it shine. Um, and you think, oh, I've got to conjure up some light. I need to be, I need to light this up so that I can create some good in the world. But the light that shines within us is not our own light as delightful as many of you are. The light that we shine with is Christ's. Christ says, um, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. But, for, but he also said, I am the light of the world. Christ not only tells us how to live in God's kingdom, he gives us the power to do it. Um, I'm going to do something weird. Take out your bulletin. Take out the baptismal program. We asked our parents some questions. We asked them. The second question always gets me. I always forget the way it's worded. Um, the second question, 
Do you resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? We do, right? No, that's not the way it goes. Do you accept the freedom and the power that God gives you? Not something that you have to strive and try real hard to do on your own, but something that flows out of the Holy Spirit that God has poured into your life. We as a congregation say that we're going to do this crazy thing of proclaiming the good news and taking care of this child, but with, it starts with three words, with God's help. It's not something that we do on our own. I um, think sometimes about um, uh, the moon. The moon, to me, is a powerful symbol of God's presence. Sometimes I kind of um, am just rolling along through my everyday life, and then you look up, you are at Target, and there's the moon. It's there every night, maybe not be as beautiful as it is on some nights, but it just kind of makes you gasp and say, wow. And yet, I am no scientist, but from what I have heard, the moon actually emits no light of its own, right? The moon is a rock. It's a pretty rock, but it's just sitting there. And the only reason why that moon shines enough to make me lose my breath um, in the parking lot of a Target is because it reflects the light of the sun. The light that we shine with, when we shine with the light of Christ, when we live in Christ's kingdom, we are not the sun. We're not the stars of the whole show. We don't have to make it about us, which is bad news and good news. The light that we shine with, is Christ. And so, friends, this, um, this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, Advent season, um, God has made you to shine, not with a light of its own, but with a borrowed light, the light of Jesus, the one who holds all things together. God um, has made you to shine, but you don't have to shine with the light of your own. God has made you to be strong, but not with your own strength, with the strength that comes from Christ's glorious power that's working in you. God has made you to share love, but you don't have to, like, manufacture a bunch of love just to open yourself to the love that God has already poured into your heart. God has made you to have faith, but sometimes you don't even need to have your own faith. Jesus says, I'll loan you a little bit of mine. When you don't have your own light, Jesus says, you can take some of mine so that you can shine. I um, always uh, feel the academic year, even though I'm not a student, and I've kind of been feeling withdrawal from that for a couple years. But I get to experience it through the look of fatigue in the eyes of like everyone who is going to school or who is a teacher. It's just you start to get like a little worn down, and you're like, just get me to Christmas. Right? Like, just get me through the other end of Christmas. Um, I was um, in graduate school, and um, which is a phrase I say too much. Um, but it was one of those times. We were so bogged down. We had so many papers and things to do. Um, we needed to get dinner, me and a friend of mine. But it was one of those times in which you're like, I have all of this food in my fridge, and it will kill me if I have to cook something from it. Like, I cannot make a grilled cheese. And so we'd gone out to dinner at a little taqueria in, um, in, um, in North Durham. And it was one of those gray, dark November Decembers. Um, and we were slogging through. We um, kind of got out and ate our tacos. And we thought, oh, we got to go back. we got to do more of this. 
Um, and then right there in, in the parking lot of a Compare Foods um, Mexican supermarket, we saw it. There was the moon. It was a huge moon. I don't know if it was a strawberry moon or a wolf moon or a blood harvest moon, but it was so incredible, we just stopped talking. And we did not care that that moon did not shine with its own light. It was magnificent. It, it, it showed us, um, it gave us a little bit of hope. And so then we decided we would chase the moon. We needed to find this moon uh, because it was sort of obscured. And so we started driving. We drove down um, this street into another street and then went into like a weird apartment complex and an abandoned strip mall. And we still could not see the whole moon. Like um, finally, um, we, after about 35 minutes of pointlessly driving, um, we, we stopped and there it was. It was so gorgeous. And the only reason why that moon was glowing like a beacon, the only reason why it gave us joy is because it was shining with the reflected light of the sun, shining with a glory that was not its own. Friends, the world can't look directly at God. We can't. We can't see God, and even if we could, the glory would probably be too much. It would put out our eyes. There's some things we can only see directly, but right now the world can see Christ as king through the way we live our lives. The world can see Christ's strength through the way that we live into that strength in the divorce court or the cancer ward or the Thanksgiving table or the hospital or the classroom or the jail. We are called to shine with a light that is not our own. And because they see the moon, the world can know that the sun is there. Um... I am not great at praying. This is not a thing you want your pastor to say. It's one of these things, right? Sometimes I get caught up. I get caught up in words, and I get caught up in trying to say the right words. And then I'm like, are you trying to impress God? God is not impressed by you. I keep, um, I get distracted in all of these things. And one of the disciplines that I'm living into, I want to live into in 2020, is just to, like, use the words of others um, as my words, people who are smarter and holier and shine brighter than I do. Um, I love the fact that a lot of these famous prayers may or may not have actually been written by the person that it says. St. Francis's prayer was probably not transcribed down by someone who just had a MacBook taking notes, but it makes sense because it's like something St. Francis would have said. Um, you know, it's those quotes on the internet, the like meme that says, um, be careful about what you read on the internet, and the quote is attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln did not say that. One of my favorite prayers like this is the prayer of Oscar Romero. Do you all know Oscar Romero? He's one of my favorite saints that was officially made a saint a couple years ago. Uh, Romero is, um, he was the archbishop. Um, in El Salvador in, in the 70s. Um, he was a guy who um, did not shine particularly brightly. He was sort of put in charge. Um, I'm sure he was a good priest, but he was also put in charge because he wasn't really going to disrupt much. He kind of would like go along and like keep things rolling, right? Um, and yet tensions continued to rack the country of El Salvador. 
Um, there were, um, there was the military, and then there were these paramilitaries, and, um, and all through that, um, Archbishop Romero did this crazy thing in which he said, you know, the way we, um, uh, like if Jesus is king, that needs to mean good news for people who are poor, and it actually means that we need to practice peace and not war. You know, it sounds, kind of reminds you of somebody, the way he lived. Um, his words got him a lot of enemies. And so um, he died while performing communion in 1980, nearly 40 years ago. Um, and so Archbishop Romero has become a powerful figure to many people who are Latino, especially in um, Central America. I read his prayer for the first time when I was in college, and um, I wrote it down in a journal. Um, the prayer says it helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that can be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders. We are ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Man, can Oscar Romero pray. Here's the thing, though. Oscar Romero's prayer was written by a man named Bishop Ken Untener of Saginaw, Michigan, which I've heard is not exactly the same climate as El Salvador. He wrote it for a celebration of priests who had died. And yet, we remember it by Romero's name, kind of in the same way that the moon reflects the light of the sun, because he was so inspired and given life by this man's life that he could take his words upon his lips as if they were his own. Friends, when you don't have words, take Jesus's. When you don't have faith, take Jesus's. When you don't have enough light to shine, shine with the light of the sun. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.